the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite slew Sav, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was a battle again in Gob with the Philistines. Well, there was a Gob of battles, wasn't there? Uh, all right, anyhow. Um, and there was, this is verse 19, and there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jair Eorigim, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature and had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes. Four and twenty in number. Boy, that would help you, Andrew. He was also born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of his servants. All right? A couple things I want you to notice in this passage. First of all, verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbibinab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. And then, verse 22, these four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. And I want to just preach to you, talk to you. I don't know how this is going I'm, to... I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just trying to follow after what I feel today. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear my heart to you today. And, and if I go the direction I think I'm going to go and the way that I'm feeling right now, I'm going to make myself extremely transparent. Which makes a man very vulnerable but I think all of you know I have never been a man to try to hide anything. That's just not who I am. I, I try to be as real as I can be. I am who I am. Flaws and all. Hoping God changes those flaws. But, but I am who I am. And um, I want to I want to preach to you, talk to you, minister to you. I don't know. Brother Lyle said, 
said, as our charismatic friends say, I'm going to share with you for a little while. I hope I do more than just share. I, I, hope, I hope there's some ministering that goes on before this is over with. But I'm going to put a title on this, same title I used Friday, and it's simply, It's Your Turn. It's your turn. Turn to somebody and tell them it's your turn. No, look them in the eye and tell them. I want you to tell them it's your turn. I want you to turn back to them again and tell them that means it's my turn. We don't want to just point our finger at everybody else and tell them what to do, right? Oh boy, I got two amens. We don't want to just tell everybody else what to do. We want to practice what we're preaching here today. So if you're going to tell your neighbor it's their turn, that means you're going to have to put your shoulder to the plow too. It's our turn. (laughs) All of us together. Oh, help me, Jesus. All of us. All of us. Everybody under the sound of my voice. And those that are not here today, some out of town, some working, other things. Though I'm telling you, if you consider your part, uh, yourself a part of New Life Pentecostal Church, I'm preaching to you. It's your turn. Hallelujah. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's lift our hands. Let's talk to the Lord for just a few moments, everybody. I want you to ask God specifically, Lord, talk to me today. God, write your word on my heart today. Come on, everybody. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, let's feel after the Lord right now. Let's feel after the Lord right now. I'll tell you, the devil doesn't want me to do what I'm about to do. Hallelujah. We don't care what the devil don't allow. Oh, Jesus, we need you right now. Amen. I need your prayers and your help to do this today. Amen. I really do. I really do. Will you help me? Will you help me? Amen. Praise God. I just realized a lot of times I take these glasses off, they get in the way, but when I take them off, I can't see that print on there. So so they're just going to have to slide up and down my nose today while I preach. But I need God to help me. I really do have a burden, and yet I feel a spirit that's already risen up. I felt liberty when we started, but I feel, not necessarily from any of you, but just the devil just doesn't want you to hear what I'm going to tell you today. And so I need some folks. You feel it start getting bogged down? I want you to press through it, all right? Let's put the devil in his place today. 
Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We, you know, I, I don't have to say it. I don't have to say it today. Uh, it, it really is not necessary to say, but, but I think that it is worth saying, amen, that David was known as a giant killer. That's, look, anybody, anybody that knows about David, I'm going to tell you, if there's only one thing they know, they know that he killed Goliath. There's a whole lot more, obviously, to the story of David than just David and Goliath. But anybody that's ever heard of David, if they've not heard anything else, they know he was a giant killer. In fact, he rose to the occasion when nobody else was willing, when the trained soldiers, when those that were ready, those that were armed for war, those that had experienced battle before were hiding and cowering in fear. David stepped up, looked around and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for somebody to go out there and shut the mouth of this lying Philistine? I'm telling you, David had something in him. He didn't consider the size of the giant. He considered the size of the cause and the size of his God. And compared to God, Goliath was nothing. And David said, somebody has got to put a stop to this. He was known to be a giant killer. In fact, David made it a point for everybody to know he was a giant killer. You know, there is a part of that story of David and Goliath that a lot of folks don't know. They know, you know, some know only that he was, he was armed with a sling and uh, uh, that he, slew, he, he threw the, the, the stone from the sling and, and brought Goliath down. They know that much of the story. That's all they know. Others know a little bit more. They know that when David ran to Goliath, because David didn't have a sword in his hand, he took Goliath's sword and cut off Goliath's head. You knew that, right? Do you know what he did after he cut off Goliath's head? Yeah, he did something with it. This is where a lot of folks are not familiar with this. But, but let me tell you, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 54. Here's what David did. 1 Samuel 17 and 54. And David took the head of the Philistine. He took the head of this Philistine, Goliath. And brought it to Jerusalem. And he took it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Now listen, at this time, Jerusalem was not controlled by the Jews. This was not a city that was under the, the, uh, the, 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 the power of the Israelites. This city was controlled by the Jebusites. These were Israel's enemy. It was a fortified city. It was a crucial city. And David took the victory that he had just won by the power of God and he ran up the hill to Jerusalem and he took that bloody head and he shook it around. He was saying to them, my God has given me victory over this Philistine and he's going to give me victory over every other Philistine that gets in our way. In fact, this city that is fortified right now is going to come down. You're not going to maintain control. 
David wanted everybody to know what God has done. And I'm telling you, it wasn't just the soldiers on the battlefield that knew he was a giant killer. Everybody in Jerusalem knew he was a giant killer. And when those soldiers tucked their tails and ran, every other Philistine knew David was a giant killer. Because, you know, they'd opened their mouth and made a pledge. But being Philistines, they didn't tell the truth. They said, they said, we're going to bring our champion out here. And if you can defeat him, we'll be your servants. But if he defeats you, you're going to serve us. Well, that's easy for them to say when Israel didn't have anybody nine feet tall. But it didn't take somebody nine feet tall. It took a little boy that a lot of scholars think was only about 16 years old at the time. It wasn't how big David was. It was how big God was. It's how big God's promises were. And God never intended for his people to serve the Philistines. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, when the enemy starts trying to put bondage on the people of God, do you know what God's looking for and what God's listening for? He's just wanting you to cry out and say, God, this is not right. This is not your plan. We're not supposed to be in this position. We're supposed to serve you and you only. Now come take care of these spirits. Oh, I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. I'm telling you, God is listening for your voice. God is waiting on you to get a hold of him and let him know I'm sick of this. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not preaching this just like I preached it there. I can promise you that I am trying to follow the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you what the problem is with far too many of us. Just like when the decree went forth from Babylon to the Jews, you can go back home now. There was a whole lot of them that were comfortable in Babylon. They liked the houses they had in Babylon. They liked the jobs they held in Babylon. They didn't want to make a sacrifice and travel back to Israel. They knew when they got there, they're going to have to rebuild their homes. They're going to have to rebuild the walls of the city. They're going to have to rebuild the temple they don't want to do all that it's comfortable where we are it's going to take too much work and so only a fraction of the Jews left Babylon and went back to the land of promise can you imagine can you imagine they were taken there as slaves but they were happy. They were comfortable. Hello. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody at New Life Pentecostal Church today. I've been preaching to you about the battle we're in. I've been trying to tell you about the spirits we're fighting. But I want to tell you one of the biggest battles I've got right now is there are some of you that are comfortable. If we never see a change, if we never have a breakthrough, you're okay with the way things are. But I want to tell you, here's one preacher that's not. Here's one preacher that is not satisfied with where we're at right now. I'm not content. And if you're going to be content, just saying, okay, let things continue. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. I'm going to tell you, you may be in the wrong place because this preacher's on a quest. We're not staying where we are. We're not going to let things continue the way they are. There's a battle that's raging and there's something inside of me that says we're going to fight unto the finish. We're going to fight until we win. 
Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. David was known, he was known. He was known as a giant killer. The Philistines spread the word. Amen. They spread the word. Amen. They, they, they'd issued that challenge. They said, if you, if you defeat our champion, we'll serve you. But, but do you notice what happened? The minute that David defeated Goliath, do you know what they did? They, they didn't come run over and say, okay, here we are. Tie us up. We're going back home with you. We're your servants, just like we promised. The devil never keeps his promise. The devil never keeps his promise. He was a liar from the beginning. I heard Elder Howard say on Friday night, he said, you know what? I've reached a place when, when I recognize that the devil's telling me something. He said, I, the devil starts telling me so-and-so is not going to be saved or this is not going to happen. He said, I start rejoicing because I know the devil's a liar. And if he says they're not, he's lying. Right. He sees something that's already in the works. Right. Oh, hallelujah. So the devil's going to lie to you to get what he wants. He's going to lie to you. But you got to recognize he's a liar. He's the father of all lies. Yes, yes. So they went running. They went running. And I'm going to tell you what they did. As they came running back through the gates of their cities, you know what they're saying? Somebody said, what's the matter? What's the matter? Oh, dear God. There was somebody over there in that battlefield. Goliath is dead. Well, how big was the giant Israel sent out? He wasn't a giant. He was a 16-year-old boy. What kind of weapon did he have? He had a sling and a stone. But he had something else that really brought it to pass. He said, you come to me with swords and shields, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. It was the name of the Lord of hosts that brought Goliath down. It was the name of the Lord of hosts that in Israel that day. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it didn't take long. It didn't take long for word to spread throughout the camp of the enemy. David is a force to be reckoned with. I believe that. You know, I, I believe that happens in the devil's camp too when somebody really gets a hold of something from God. I can, in fact, I don't have the scripture in my notes, but I could prove it to you. In the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva find somebody full of the devil and they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preacheth, we adjure thee to come out. And that devil spoke up and said some of the most interesting words. Jesus, I know. Of course you do. But what else do they say? And Paul, I know. But who are you? Do you understand the implication of what the devil just said? The devil were telling those men, if Jesus told us to come out, we'd have to come out. And if Paul told us to come out, we'd have to come out. Right. Right. 
I will tell you, Jerome, that's the way I want to be. I want to be known in hell. I want hell to recognize, oh no, that preacher's up. Oh no, he's praying again. Oh no, we're in trouble now. And I wish some saints would get that kind of attitude too. I wish you'd get your eyes off of, well, I hope the devil doesn't destroy me. And you'd get your eyes on, I hope I destroy some devils today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I don't even know why I'm looking at my notes because nothing I'm saying is in there. But. And the biggest problem is I got my phone set where the screen blanks out and I have to go in and enter the password every time I walk back up behind the pulpit. So I'll try to never do this again. I can... Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, but I feel this. I feel this today. I feel this. All of the enemy recognized who David was. They knew who David was. In fact, years later when David's running and he shows up there, they start saying, you better watch this guy. I'm not sure we want him in our city. You better watch. This guy, this, this, this guy is you know, he, he's, he's trouble for us. And, and, and we're not too sure he's not here as a spy. And when we get into war, he's going to turn on us. Right? I'm telling you, they knew David was a giant killer. And I'm going to tell you, Israel knew David was a giant killer. Right? When he got back from that battle, they're out there singing. They got their tambourines. They're dancing. They're singing. Saul has slain his thousands. Oh, but David. Ah, David. Now, that's something. Thank God for Saul. He's done a great job. But David. He's slain his 10,000s. Now, why are they talking? He didn't slay 10,000, literally. But they're talking about the size of the victory that David just won. Yeah, Saul's helped us. Yeah, Saul's led us through some battles. Yes, we've seen some victories. But nothing like this one. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. David was a giant killer. And he was known far and wide with that distinction. I'm going to tell you. That's why 1 Samuel 21, 1 Samuel here, we're actually looking at, at later on in David's life that these things are happening. And, and, and David's not the young man he once was. And I'm telling you, that's the reason why these giants waited a while. I'm, I, the, the Bible says these four were, were born of the giant. Evidently, they were Goliath's sons. And, and you know, they wanted to revenge their father's death. Right? They wanted vengeance for their father's death. But they didn't show up. In 1 Samuel 17. They didn't come on the scene immediately. I'm telling you, they were afraid of David. But I got a feeling they spent years training. They spent years protecting themselves. And I also got a feeling, Brother Chad, they probably put something in their, in their helmet to make sure we're we going to protect against any rocks, you know. <laughs> we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. He might have done that once, but he's not going to do it a second time. 
Hallelujah. But the day came when they did go out. The day came when all of the stories of David's victories were not enough to keep them from arraying themselves in battle against David. They wanted to bring him down. Now, now listen to me, church. We, we, you know, living in a, a representative democracy as we do, um, we, we, we kind of lose this concept. You know, if something were to happen to our president, it's, it's all set up. The country goes on. We, we've, we've actually survived that in the past. Presidents died in office or been killed in office. The country, the business of the country. I mean, though people mourn, and, but the country doesn't shut down because we lose our leader. And so we don't really think of it in terms of the way it was back then. But when, when a nation had enemies, the focus of those enemies was not the people. It was the leader. If they could destroy the leader, then it took time for them to find a replacement, decide who's going to sit on the throne next. Especially right now, you understand, because David was not Saul's son. This, like, you know, most monarchies, it, the king just passes it on down the, down the chain, you know, which David did. But at this point, it had been Saul, totally different family, different tribe. Saul of the tribe of Benjamin, David of the tribe of Judah. So when David, if they could kill David, it's not going to be that clearly defined who's going to take over. And in the time that they're trying to find a leader, there'll be enough confusion that the enemy could bring the nation down. Are you following me? So the focus is we got to kill David. And really that focus didn't change. It wasn't just Israel. It wasn't just these circumstances that brought it back. Even years later you read, you know, where, where they told him, said, you, you focus on the king of Israel and kill him. And that's, you know, when, when the king of Israel and the king of Judah had gotten together went out to war and, and Ahab had said, he said uh, 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 to Jehoshaphat, he said, look, you, you put on your robes. I'm just going to dress like a normal man today. You put on your robes. Now why in the world Jehoshaphat didn't see through that one, I don't know. I'm just telling you now, wait a minute, you're a king, I'm a king, but you don't want to look like a king. But you want me to. Why Jehoshaphat didn't see through that, I don't know. But he didn't. But the Bible says that by chance, a man drew an arrow. And killed Ahab. It happened, it happened. All right, but the focus, what I'm, what I'm telling you is the focus was destroy the leader. And even centuries later, Jesus would make, make the statement that, that these are like sheep having no shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd are skittish. They're afraid. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. 
They don't, they don't establish committees. They don't build councils among themselves and vote. All right, today we're going north. When there's no shepherd, the sheep don't know what to do. And Jesus said they become scattered. And I'm telling you, that principle was in the mind of the Philistines. What we've got to do, we've got to destroy the leader. And so the scripture tells us, let's go back to our text. As soon as I can get my phone opened up again, let's go back to my text. Praise God. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 and 16, read for me. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbibinob, which was the son of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass and weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. I just realized it's a quarter to 12. I got 15 minutes, and I'm not even a third of the way through page one. We may have to do part two tonight. Hallelujah. But I'll finish at least what I'm saying right now. As I really felt this, I felt this. And I, I, I believe I'm in the will of the Holy Ghost doing what I'm doing right now. So if I got to come back tonight and do part, I've never done that before that I know of. Part one on Sunday morning, part two on Sunday night, but hey. You know, that's right. We just do something. We just do all kinds of new things. I'm preaching from my phone for the first time. Tonight, if I come back, I'll have it on paper. Amen. Hallelujah. And maybe we should just start right at six o'clock and let me start preaching. Oh, I feel, I, I'm, telling, I'm telling you, church, I feel this so, so, so strong today. So they made up in their mind. Ishbi Binab, which was of the sons of the giants, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. Now, he was of the sons of the giants. The Bible doesn't specifically call him a giant, but he was a giant's son. We do know that his spear weighed 300 shekels of brass. I don't know what that turns out to be in pounds today, but anytime you put 300 in front of something, it's going to be heavy. I don't care if it's 300 ounces, it's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh a little bit. You understand? So this was a big man. And he had a new sword. You understand the purpose of that designation? This wasn't dull. This wasn't rusted. This wasn't worn down from long usage. In other words, the edge was sharp. And you know, he had to get a new one. His daddy's was gone. David made sure that sword would never be used again. Remember, it was taken into that tent where the ark of God was. It was put there as a memorial to what God had done that day. So Ishbibinab, one of the sons of the giant, had a new sword. And what was he going to do with that sword? 
His purpose was not to kill Israelites. His purpose was not let me see how many notches I can put in my sword belt. Let me see how many folks I can bring down today. He had one goal in mind. I've got to kill the leader. That's what I'm here for and no other purpose. And the Bible says he thought to have slain David. He came close. In fact, in, in verse 15, at the end of that verse, it already told us David waxed faint. Do you understand this is a giant killer? This is a man that's got experience at this. This is a man that knows what he's doing. But the battle was so hard and it was so long and it was so intense that David didn't have it in him humanly to keep on fighting. And the enemy saw it and the enemy said, this is our chance. We're going to bring David down. And when we do, there's not another giant killer in their camp. they thought that I believe that was their mindset they had a reason for thinking that do you remember when Goliath came out there how many men ran out to the battlefield to fight him only David so I'm telling you it puts something in the mind oh I feel this I feel like listen if I ever felt like I was I was speaking under the anointing and direction of the Holy Ghost I feel like I'm doing it right now I'm not just telling you a story I'm I'm trying to make an application here hallelujah they watched they watched as David was the only one that would fight the giant and they said in their minds, there's not another giant killer in their camp. And David now is older. He's not as youthful. He doesn't have as much vigor. He doesn't have the stamina he once had. There's not another one that's going to be able to go to battle against us. Now is our time to bring Israel down. And as he fought, he watched David going down. He watched David panting. He watched David struggling just to breathe. He watched David struggle. The Bible said he waxed faint. He's struggling just to maintain consciousness. And the giant saying, there ain't nobody going to save David now. And once we get rid of him, it's over for that bunch. But that wasn't the end of the story. And there was something that happened that the giants weren't counting on. There was something that took place that they didn't figure on. Yes, when Goliath came out, there was only one that would fight against him. But between chapter 1 Samuel 17 and 2 Samuel 21, there was something that happened within the people that had been with David. Something had transpired. And I'm going to tell you, when David was 16, there was only one giant killer in Israel. But by the time we get to 2 Samuel 21, he's not the only giant killer anymore. He's not the only one that knows how to bring the enemy down. He's not the only one that knows how to fight the battles. Is anybody hearing me? Yeah. 2 
Samuel 21 and verse 17 says this. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah. And smote the secured him or strengthened him, helped him, saved him out of that trouble. And he not only got David out of that, but what did he do? Smote he smote that Philistine and, and he killed him. I'm telling you, somebody else rose up and said, it's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. I watched you do it when you were a boy, David. I watched you do it when you were young and vigorous. I watched you do it when you had the strength to get it done. But now it's my turn. Let me at that giant. Let me at that Philistine. Get out of my way. I'm going to fight this one. I'm going to bring this one down. that wasn't enough they got together and they pulled David in and said David we make a pledge to you this day thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel you know what they're saying David you fought your giants you've had your turn you've had your, your opportunity and you showed us you knew how to do it but we want you to know something David we're not going to make you fight these giants anymore we want you to know there's a group of men there's a group of men that learned something there's a group of men that got a hold of something and we are gonna stand up and we're gonna fight the enemy so you don't have to let's praise the Lord let's praise the Lord let's praise the Lord hallelujah Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. David. We've got a revelation. We have come to an understanding. What the enemy really wants is to destroy you. Because the enemy knows how vulnerable we'll be as a people if he brings you down. The enemy wants to kill you, David. We're not going to give him that chance. We're not going to give the devil that opportunity. He ain't going to find you because you're not going to be out there on the battlefield anymore. You're not going to have to do this, David. We want you to know we've learned from your example. We understand the seriousness of what's going on. And we just want you to know, David, we're going to step up to the plate. We're going to step up to... Oh, I wish somebody would hear me today. We're going to step up to the plate. I'm not sitting around waiting on somebody else to get out there and start slinging stones. I'm not going to wait until God has to raise up another 16-year-old that knows how to fight a giant. I want you to know, David, I'm going to fight these giants. I'm going to, you can count on me. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I've got to close. I'm out of time. But I'm telling you, as we read it in our text, amen, Abishai comes in and destroys the first one. But there's a second one that comes in. They don't give up that easy. They said, all right, Abishai might have, but he's wore out now. We're going to hit him with a, with a third wave, a second wave. We're going to hit him with a second wave. And here comes another one. And he said, oh, no, you're not. And he brings that one down. They said, we'll hit him with a third wave. And another man of, of Israel stands up and says, oh, no, you're not. No, no, no. It's not going to work this time. There are enough of us that are going to bind together. We're going to drive out every Philistine. Send us your biggest. Send us your baddest. But we're not giving in. And we're not losing ground. We're going to fight until we win. Oh, God, God, God. This is not even the direction I thought I was going to go when I felt like the Lord spoke to me and told me to preach. Because this is not at all what I preached over there when I preached it to those young people on Friday. Amen. But this is what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to tell you, saints of God, it's not that I just want to quit and give up and quit fighting. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But I am going to tell you this. Amen. I do know there's been many times that the devil has risen up. I've tried to rally troops. Amen. I've tried to get people to get in there and fight but it's come down to this if we're going to win I was going to have to really fight it until we won but I believe that God is speaking to new life Pentecostal church today and he's saying it's your turn it's your turn it's your turn So that nobody gets mad at me in case you really are a big fan. I, I will say that I am quoting Elder Garrett who quoted Hillary Clinton. So if you don't like this quote, then blame Elder Garrett. I'm just telling you what he said. Some of you may not even remember because the media didn't like reporting this stuff, but she, she tried to impress people. Went into African-American church and thought she could talk like one. I don't know how many of you have heard that or seen that little clip. Thought she could, thought she, she, you know, she tried to put on an accent. I don't feel no ways tired. Thank you, she did. She did that. You can find it. It's on the internet. She did. She did. So to quote Elder Garrett, quoting Hillary Clinton, I want this church to know I'm not up here because I feel like quitting. I'm not up here preaching what I'm preaching because I feel like I'm just exhausted and can't fight anymore. I'm telling you, I, there's just as much fight in me, probably more right now, than I've ever had. 
I've got, I've got as much or more fight in me right now than I have ever had in all the days that I've been your pastor. This is not about me just trying to kick back in my recliner and say, I'm going to take it easy. But I'm going to tell you what it is about. That day is going to come somewhere down the road where I'm just not going to have the strength to do what I need to do. There's got to be some Amishites. There's got to be some others that rise up in the midst of this army and say, no more. You don't have to carry us anymore. You don't have to fight this anymore. This is our battle. We're going to fight this until we win. You know what this means, church? Do you? I know you're on your feet. I know you're applauding. I appreciate it. But do you know what it means? What it really means when you really get a hold of what I'm saying, then I'm not going to have to stand up here and say, come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's worship. Let's worship. Come on, somebody. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. No, no, no. If you really get a hold of what I'm saying, you're going to walk through those doors saying, all right, devil, where are you at? I'm not going to let you stick around in this service. You're not going to bind us up. You're not going to hinder our worship. You're not going to stop the preacher. I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship until there is complete liberty. And if things get bound, you can count on me, devil. I'm going to step in. The pastor's not going to have to fight through it. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk. up my time's up my time's up my time's up it's your turn now it's your turn I've preached I've preached I've delivered all I can deliver in this morning service it's your turn now it's your turn now it's your turn now Come on, saints of God. I'm telling you, there are spirits that 